Kenny has got a phenomenal word that is going to impact our lives. And so five minutes on your market set, go. All right. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm going to invite you to find a spot or grab a microphone, one of the two. Um, no, I'm uh, very glad to be here. My name is uh, Kenny Taves. I'm a uh, I'm, I'm, uh, church attender here. I've been here for about three and a half years. Uh, in addition to that, I'm also a construction manager. I work construction during the week. That's how we pay our bills. Um, but uh, very glad for the opportunity to get to speak this morning to you. Uh, the church has been on a bit of a journey. They've been going through uh, the theme of one another passages of the New Testament. I uh, started off by uh, talking about love one another. What does that look like? Be patient with one another. I moved on to uh, pray for one another. And last week, Pastor Josh talked about serve one another. This morning, I'm going to talk about the concept of live at peace with one another. And what does that look like? So to do that, uh, I'm going to start by reading uh, a section of the Bible from Romans 12. If you have your Bible, you're welcome to open it up uh, or click on it, however you open your Bible. Um, but uh, I'm reading from Romans 12, verses 9 to 16. I'm reading from the New Living Translation because I like uh, what uh, the way this translator looked at these words that weren't originally wrote, written in English, but uh, we've got them now. So uh, Romans 12, verses 9 to 16 says this, Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of the good. Love each other with great affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Be glad for all God is planning for you. Be patient in trouble and always be prayerful. When God's children are in need, be the one to help them out and get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. If people persecute you because you are a Christian, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. When others are happy, be happy with them. If they are sad, share their sorrow. Live in harmony with each other. Don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels like we've been living underneath a little bit of a cloud the last year and a half. We've had this uh, overwhelming sense of uh, cloud cover, and yet uh, two days ago when we had that rain, it was like, yay, rain, cloud cover, thank you, <laughs> um, because in some ways it gave us an excuse to talk about something other than COVID. Am I the only one who's tired of the, the term? Like, I'm just like, I don't want to hear the numbers anymore. I don't want to, I just, I'd like to move on. But there's been this cloud that we've been living under really uh, in the globe for the last year and a half, just kind of trying to figure out how we're supposed to live in this world. We're talking about lockdowns or masks and the ch ever-changing rules, numbers going up and down. Do you remember the toilet paper shortage of like a year and a half ago? That was terrifying. Hey, I was terrified. Like, I'm like, what is going to even happen in the world when we run out of toilet paper? I don't even know. And then, I, so there's a guy on our street who, when he opens up his garage door, he's got at least 150 rolls of toilet paper in there. So I know where I'm going if things really get into trouble. But... Uh, like, there's just been this feeling of heaviness, whether it's been 
international travel restrictions or then Canadian national travel restrictions and then regional travel restrictions. And it seems like, it seems like there should be no wonder that people are feeling just a little bit drained, just a little bit drained from all of this stuff. And in the middle of all of that, uh, my hope is that you have found moments of relief, moments of rest. My wife and I went on a, a, a bit of a holiday uh, two weeks ago. We went to uh, Tofino, uh, and uh, we were staying in a campground uh, that's right on Long Beach in Tofino, and uh, it's the national campground, and it's just like you can walk from your campsite right down onto the, onto the beach. And so one morning, I accidentally woke up for sunrise. I say that because nobody wants to be up at six in the morning on their holidays. But uh, I woke up for sunrise, and I went down. I found a spot on the, on the beach. Uh, it was just like on the rocks overlooking the water. And I sat there in my chair. Uh, you can put that up. Yeah, I sat there in my chair uh, looking at the waves kind of rolling in. And then over to my left was, uh, what was the sun breaking through the clouds. And I just sat there and I was just like, it's like I took a deep breath for the first time in a while. I just took a deep breath and I went, man, this is just so much. I had so much peace and calm and it was just so enjoyable just to sit there and to be free of distractions and calm and rested. I don't know what it looks like for you to take a moment of refreshing, but I want to ask a question, and I want to give you an opportunity to talk uh, with the people around you. And I know we're in the middle of a um, variety of different ideas about what interaction looks like, but here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to ask two questions, and if you're comfortable, uh, turn around and have a conversation for just about a minute uh, with the people around you. I, if you're not comfortable with that, pretend that you're like on your phone or something like that, or like it always it totally works. Um, or just you don't have to engage. But uh, if you're if you're at home and uh, and 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 watching online, uh, take a moment in the chat room to uh, to to answer this question. See, here's a question: Where do you go to find peace? And, and the second one is like it: What brings you a sense of refreshing? So take a minute, if you like, uh, if you're comfortable, with the people around you, answer that question or online. Where do you go to find peace? What brings you a sense of refreshing? Go ahead, just take a minute. All right. All right, I'll bring us back together again. I, I don't know, of course, uh, what people have been writing on the chat room, but it's good to hear some conversation and you, opportunity to, to, to share things that, that bring you peace. See, the concept of peace is one that's very important in our world. 
Uh, if I Google peace like I did this week, is like, oh, what is it? You know, why is it so difficult to find peace in the world? Man, there's page after page of people giving their ideas of what world peace should look like and, and how we can find peace. Uh, there's huge organizations that this is their main goal. And in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, peace seems to be something that uh, we, we scratch our head at and we wonder. And, and I think the concept of your personal peace, the concept of your individual peace is important. But I, I'd like to suggest this morning that, that we can't stay just focused on ourselves. Uh, see, the verse that I read here from the book of Romans, the, that verse is really about living peace at peace with others. It's more about how we interact with the people around us. So maybe we need a new question here this morning. Maybe the new question should be something that we ask ourselves, and it looks like this. Does my life lead people towards peace? Uh, or, or maybe this question. When people think of a peaceful person, do they think of me? Kids are like pointing at their mom going, no, not you, mom, I guarantee it. <laughs> it's not fair. That's not fair. Uh, you know, I, I think when we do that, it, it, we look in the mirror a little bit and we go, how about my life? I, I know other people, if other people were just better to me, then I would live at peace with them. But how about if we look in the mirror a little bit and we go, what about my life? Is there something that I can do that brings peace? Uh, so like I mentioned earlier, I work uh, construction and one of my responsibilities as a construction manager is we build, uh, we build custom homes. Uh, and so one of my responsibilities is uh, digging a hole, the excavation. So I, I don't actually dig the hole, um, but I hire an excavator operator to do that. But for me, that's the uh, least confident I am in the build. It's when we're digging a hole because there's a lot of money. It happens quickly. And so in my job, um, I feel better when I call up my buddy Grant uh, to show up. Uh, I texted Grant and said, Grant, can I use you in a sermon? He's like, yeah, sure, totally, man. Uh, When I'm digging, or or, when we're digging a hole hole for a house, I want Grant on site. Because Grant just brings peace with him. He just brings calm. He knows what he's doing. He's good on the machine. He's like in his 20s. And he knows that he must have been really, really good at video games because he's really good on a machine. Like, but he, he works this massive machine and he's digging a, the excavation hole. And I just feel like he knows what he's doing. I just feel like he's got it under control when I, in fact, don't have it under control. So I'll, I'll leave for a bit and I'll come back and I'll be like, there was this one time we were, we were digging a trench um, for a, a drain pipe because the city was just being difficult. So anyways, we dug the stupid trench, and, and Grant was doing it for me. I'm like, how's it going, Grant? He's like, oh, great. We hit a water line. I'm like, wait, what? You did? He's like, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. We fixed it. I'm like, okay, so it's no big deal, or it's a big deal, and you're not making it a big deal? He's like, no, it was all right. I had to turn off the water, the, you know, kind of filled water everywhere. I'm like, okay. So that's it? He's like, yeah, we're fine. Okay, carry on then. <laughs> I just feel like in my job, Grant is somebody uh, that when I know he's on site, he's going to work well with the other trades. He's just going to get things done, and he's going to carry peace with him. I want him on my site. He works well at peace with the other people around. When we look at these uh, verses and we speak in church like this, um, as Christians, we are to be messengers of peace to the people we encounter. This is what we're supposed to be bringing. We're supposed to be people who who bring peace into the situations we, uh, we find ourselves in. So we want to talk about this concept a little bit this morning, and I want to mention uh, three, uh, three things. Uh, the first one is, what is peace? 
And then I'll talk about uh, why does Jesus suggest we live in peace? And then thirdly, uh, how can we actively set our lives to bring peace? So the first one, what is peace? I found this definition of uh, peace when I Googled it, because that's how you do sermon research now. You Google stuff, and you just put up down what they said. So peace. Uh, What is peace? Here's a definition that I found. Peace is a stress-free state of security and calmness that comes when there is no fighting or war. Everything coexisting in perfect harmony and freedom. I like that. I'm like, that's good. Okay, that's good. That's peace. It's interesting to me that uh, the the story of Jesus that we have in the Bible is set uh, in a time when uh, the Romans ruled the world. Uh, the Romans essentially, at the height of their at the height of their power, ruled about forty uh, percent uh, of the of, of the earth. Uh, they had about seventy million people that were Romans uh, during their reign, uh, and they had something that historians have described as the Pax Romana, which means the Peace of Rome, which is about a two hundred year period where there was peace from about seventy BC to about one hundred and fifty AD. 200 years of peace. And it was unprecedented uh, at that time in our world's history. Unprecedented that there would be so much peace for so long if you were Roman. (laughs) (laughs) See, the Roman idea of peace was to crush the opposition and then there'll be a peace. (laughs) You just... You just subjugate and just make everyone your servants, and then there will be no more trauma, no no more strife for you. Um, And that's what they called peace. It's it's kind of the idea that when you win in war, you get peace. Kind of. (laughs) It's, It's kind of peace. And I'd say kind of because it's not really the peace that we're looking for here. The, the, the idea that Jesus is suggesting is, is different than... He's not saying just dominate everyone, get, force them to believe what you believe, and then you'll have peace. We actually tried that for thousands of years in the church. We, we told people what they had to do and what they had to believe. We called it, we called it state religion. And then that worked, right? Until a new... Like, I love history, and I'm like, oh, this happened all the time. Depending on which king rules, then you, they have a different religion, and they change. It's not peace just because people believe or are told to believe what we believe. That's right. It's a matter not, uh, it's not a matter of trying to control people, uh, but it's instead it's a sense of calm and beauty that's possible apart from battle or conflict. Everyone knows there's conflict, and peace can be a challenge. How do we get there? So how, how, how do we get to this point where, where we look at peace and we say, we are living this out? Because there's so many different ideas of what peace looks like. Maybe this, maybe what I'll do this morning is this. Instead of, instead of trying to tell you my idea of what you should think peace is, because then I'm just doing what I think won't bring peace, uh, instead I'm going to mention maybe just three uh, things that I, I would suggest could be obstacles to peace. So three obstacles to peace. Uh, The first one being this, thinking you're right. If you always think you're right, that will be an obstacle to peace to everyone else around you. Uh, See, if I think about my own life, uh, five years ago, think about your own life too, five years ago, have you changed in the last five years? Yes, probably I have. 
Uh, some of the things that I believed five years ago and I held on to very tightly, I don't believe those things anymore. I, 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 I've learned, I've grown, I understand new concepts. And so I've changed in the last five years. So the things that I held on to five years ago, I just don't hold on to those things anymore. So essentially, five years ago, I was wrong. I just didn't know it yet. So that leads me to think about this. The things that I hold on to tightly, really now, this is what I believe, this is what I know, this is my truth. In the next five years, in the next five years I'm going to realize I was wrong. <laughs> and so in some ways, some of the things that we hold on to really tightly right now, maybe we should just hold on to them a little bit less. Maybe we shouldn't be so content or so passionately thinking that everything we think is right because in the next five years we're going to realize we were wrong. So maybe thinking that you're right all the time is an obstacle to peace. <laughs> the second thing I'd say is this. Thinking you need to verbalize or defend your stance is an obstacle to peace. Why is it not okay to believe something different than someone else and just keep it to yourself? Uh, social media is really poor for us this way. Everyone seems to post their opinion and alternate opinions and you get going back and forth. And I don't know if you read this stuff, you must somewhere or know about it. People give opinions all the time, and, and what we do is we just create conflict. But that's not what we're supposed to be doing, creating conflict. We're, we're supposed to be messengers of peace. So just because you believe something differently than someone else, that's okay. You, you can do that. But you don't need to verbalize it. Maybe we just hold on to that. The third thing I'd mention as an obstacle to peace is this, thinking that you need to change the other person. It's your job as a Christian, if you're a Christian here this morning, it's your job as a Christian to love people, not try and change them. We don't have to try and change the people around us. We can just love them, care for them, accept them. What would, what would our world say if Christianity, if the church was a type of place that truly, if you came, you'd be loved, cared, and accepted? We wouldn't immediately try and change you. Do some people need to change? Yeah, I do. Some stuff I do is like really boneheaded, like I do some dumb stuff, and, and I know I need to make some changes and adjustments in my life, but I, honestly, I don't want to be at a place where people tell me I, I have to change in order to be accepted. I want to be at a place where people say, we love you and accept you, yeah. and we're here to walk with you through whatever journey you're being led on, we're here to walk with you. Yeah. I think that's where we're supposed to be. If your main goal is to resolve conflict in your own favor, you will never live a life of peace with each other. If every time we encounter conflict, it has to turn out so that we're satisfied, it will be a huge obstacle to us. You could be happy, but the people around you will be miserable. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and then we just sound just like the Romans. We just force people to believe what we believe. Okay, the second thing I mentioned about uh, how we can live at peace with one another is this. Uh, oh, oh, just a question, really. Why would Jesus suggest we live uh, at peace? Why is this his suggestion? Uh, I, I'd say that the core of Jesus' teaching points us towards his desire for peace. In the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, at the beginning of uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew 5 to 7, um, there's a... Oh, something on my shirt. That was weird. Um, uh, <laughs> There was, uh, Jesus is starting his ministry, and, uh, and that was odd. Uh, so, 
Jesus is starting his ministry, and, uh, and, and one of the first things that he says is he, he goes into the section where he says, blessed are uh, the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That's Matthew 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Even in the face of opposition, uh, Jesus says to people, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's like he wanted to deal with people or conflict in a way that was affirming and loving and caring. And at the end of his life, in, in the book of John, uh, John 14, 27, Jesus says this. This is the end of his life. He's just about to, to, to go to the cross, and uh, he, he says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. It's almost like Jesus realized that we would mix up what peace looked like. And he wanted to say, I want to give you something that's a little bit different than you understand. I want you to hold on to something that maybe is going to shift what the world around you is going to look like. And so in a lot of ways, I think it's safe to say that the message of Jesus is one of peace. And it can certainly be the absence of conflict. But perhaps we can go a step deeper. Perhaps peace can also include having a sense of calmness even in the face of difficulties. Uh, we just sang a song. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. <laughs> I'm going to praise God in the middle of the troubles that come around me. See, I, 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 think, I think our world, our world is filled with challenges and stress and things that that seek to overwhelm us, not just through these last year and a half, but I guarantee you, if you walk around today and look at people, or even in this room, there are people who are going through major stuff. You're going to encounter people, if your eyes are open, you'll see people at the grocery store, or at the gas station, or in the park, that are going through major things. What would it look like if, as a Christian, I was somebody who brought peace into the situations I encountered? brought peace with me as I went. I think that's the peace that Jesus wants us to have. I think that's why he says, I'm going to give you peace that's going to look different than what you're going to find anywhere else. So how does it look to have peace in the middle of conflict? Uh, last year in, uh, in October, November, we got a, a phone call from my wife's, uh, from my wife's parents. Uh, and they called to tell us that um, my mother-in-law was heading in to the, see the doctor. She had uh, some real abdominal pain, uh, and uh, she had, uh, was feeling a, a mass in, uh, in her stomach. And uh, so they went in to see the doctor, and the doctor said, yeah, you've got uh, two tumors growing on each ovary, and uh, they're growing, they're getting bigger. In the, next, uh, in the next month, those things got so big, one of them was the size of a watermelon, and, and the other one was the size of a baseball. And, uh, and so they were growing in size, and, and, uh, and they were also doing something that, that uh, I, guess, I guess happens. We learned a lot about, uh, about cancer. Um, they were giving a fluid was filling her stomach so that she looked like she's like nine months pregnant. And the, the pressure and the pain of this constant fluid buildup was such that they went and uh, drained the fluid. Uh, they drained it... Um, four times, uh, and got 20 liters of fluid uh, out of her. That's like four milk jugs. They, go, they did that in, in about a six-week period. And um, it was in the middle of that that uh, we kind of just came face-to-face -face with this real life-threatening challenge. Uh, the doctors uh, gave my mother-in-law a 15% chance to make it past five years. 
and it, it just hit us right smack in the, in the face. And my wife was getting ready for, uh, for work one morning, and she's blow-drying her hair, because she has hair. Um, <laughs> she's blow-drying her hair, and uh, she's, uh, she's had some music playing. Um, and it was a song called The Goodness of God. And uh, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And she said she, she listened to that song and she just stopped and she put down all of her stuff. And she was overwhelmingly felt, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if God is in control of this and it doesn't matter. What I know is that God is good. And so she sent this message out to, uh, to all of us and to my mother-in-law and, um, and my mother-in-law held on to that with both hands. She was so passionately and powerfully trusting that God was good no matter what happened. Uh, we, went, uh, we went over to Vancouver to meet them at the hospital. Of course, we couldn't go into the hospital or anything, but we met them um, January 2nd, uh, and uh, my mom did not look good. She looked really, really sick. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I remember uh, I brought my guitar with me and... Um, playing some worship songs for mom, and uh, she's lying on the bed, and her stomach is massive again, and she's lying on the bed, and she just has her hands up like this, and she's just singing out, I will sing of the goodness of God. And it was like really overwhelming. It was really in the face of that, but she had peace in the middle of that. She had peace in the middle of uh, the, the, the possibility that she may lose her life and literally, she just said, you know what? If I die, then that's okay. I still know God is good. And she reminded, and she took that everywhere she went. You know, she went into the, into, like, there's a picture of her going in for surgery. And she's like, she's got her gown on and her mask. And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> she just decided that the situation didn't matter. Her attitude would be one of peace. And she brought that everywhere. And uh, they, they, so they, they took out one of the tumors that was massive. We got a picture of it. Uh, <laughs> that's a doctor for a picture, um, just so we could hate on it. Um, but um, they did one surgery, and then uh, she did like five weeks of, uh, of chemo, and then uh, they went back to, because the other one had to shrink because it was really entangled in all of her stomach and stuff. And so they got both of those and the chemotherapy has worked. And if you had told me two years ago that you're going to be happy that your mother-in-law has a 40% chance of surviving five years, I would have told you you're crazy. But now they've given her a 40%, it's up from 15, they give her a 40% chance to survive five years and she loves life. I, I was going to, I forgot, I, I could have shown a picture. She's just, you'd never guess. She's just like, well, I don't have hair, but you know what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm like, I'm with you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> she's just decided to have peace no matter the situation and our world needs that this is the uncommon peace that Jesus wanted to pass on to us this is the uncommon peace that we're supposed to if you're a Christian here you're supposed to be an ambassador of that kind of peace to the people you encounter the, the church is supposed to be a place where someone can come in and take a deep breath and go okay this is a good place to be. And I think, 
I think the reason that Jesus suggested that we live at peace is because we have to admit we don't have it all figured out. We don't know the future, but we can trust that God is good no matter what happens in life. And it's not common. No matter the storm, have faith that God is here. Is God in control? I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but I do know this. God is good. God is good. And that can help us find peace. So the third thing I'd mention is this. Third point in how do we live at peace with one another? It's a question again. How can we actively bring peace to our world? Uh, honestly, this is a challenging point to make. Uh, the, just the, the sheer number of, of, uh, of articles I read in, <laughs> in my search for peace uh, is, uh, is staggering. Uh, and one of the reasons it's tough to talk about is because it's very specific to your own personality and your own situation. It's quite possible that we've never seen such diverse division in our society. And I've never had such dirty looks from sweet little old ladies because they were wearing a mask and I wasn't. I've never, I'm like, wow, I feel so judged. Uh, and and it, it, your opinion or my opinion on it, it, it doesn't really matter when it comes to living at peace with each other. Because whether it's, it's our interaction with COVID or how people have reacted to that or not reacted to that or politics or the environmental things that are going on in British Columbia and around the world or race, uh, there's a lot of potential for conflict. I guarantee you that you could go to every single person in this room and you could find something to be, uh, uh, like, that you'd just, you could find conflict. If you're married, you know that's true, right? I mean, come on, come on. You know that's true. Conflict is a normal part of life. So th that's not the question. The question is, what are we going to do in it? And can we, can we decrease the amount of conflict that's, uh, that we encounter? People have different interpretations and opinions. And I think sometimes it's good to realize that your opinions are not facts. They're just your opinions. <laughs> I think the road towards peace is less about talking and more about listening. Let me put that up there. 215, a number that became infamous with the orange colors that it's associated with here in British Columbia. The residential school, uh, uh, just when they uncovered these unmarked or unnamed graves in Kamloops, it, it, it rocked our country. And in a lot of ways, it, uh, it forced us to kind of take a close look at who we are as a people and what we are as a country. The indigenous people in Canada have been treated very poorly in history. And I, for one, just would just acknowledge my own ignorance of that. Uh, I, I grew up in, uh, in, in a place where I don't think I was taught much about this, and what I was taught was maybe not very kind about our First Nations people in our country. I think I grew up with some real prejudices and some real, uh, uh, some real bad habits in how I thought about First Nations people. And I think one of the things that's come up from this 215, this orange, every child matters. I, I, have you been by the legislature? Have you seen all the shoes that are on the legislature? Oh, you gotta go. You gotta go. Uh, if you're watching online, you gotta go for a field trip. It's, it's, it's a bit staggering. My wife and I went a couple weeks ago, 
And uh, we went at a time when there's nobody else there, and it was good because I walked up and I saw the steps covered with shoes and teddy bears and then the, the orange shirts down the side, and I was like, 215 is a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people. And of course, we know that the numbers keep climbing as other residential school, um, um, as they find more. You know, one of the best things that we can do in the middle of this, uh, uh, sorry, I'll personalize this. One of the best things I can do in the middle of this is just listen. And I've started to do that. I've started to listen more to the stories of, uh, of, of survivors. I've started to listen to First Nations people um, much more. I, I sent a long, rambling text to a buddy of mine who's coming for dinner tonight, actually. But I, I, I sent him a long, rambling text, and I'm like, I'm so sorry for my attitudes. I'm so sorry for, uh, uh, for making fun of First Nations people and for using an a bad accent when I'm talking about them. I'm so sorry, and I apologize, and I'm so ignorant. And, and I think in a lot of ways, um, if we want to bring peace to the world around us, if we truly want peace, we just have to acknowledge some of our negative thoughts and some of the negative things and some of the things that we've done that have destroyed a people group. If for 150 years all of our children were taken away from us and abused and taught that they had no value, would it be any wonder that they are a broken people? And here's the thing that, here's the thing that, um, uh, that, that I've, I, I've, I've strayed away from. We, we went on a, a field trip to Kamloops four years ago uh, with a, a bunch of youth that, uh, that I was youth pastoring in, in the Okanagan. We went there. And I talked to a nice lady, and, uh, and she was very helpful. She answered a lot of questions. She was great, because she wasn't pointing the blame at, uh, at a people group or anything. She just talked about what had happened and what was going on. Pardon me. And I, uh, I, I, remember, just, I remember just thinking, There's, this, is, this is big. And then when this all started coming out, I'm like, this is bigger. <laughs> and I think if we can acknowledge, if we can acknowledge our part in the mentality of how we've addressed indigenous people in our country and continue to, maybe we can walk towards peace. Wouldn't it be awesome if, as Christians, we led the way? Man, I, I know that there's some hurting people who've been burning churches in the Okanagan and stuff like that, and I, I, I honestly, I'm like, yep, I get it. And then there's others who say, no, this... There, I, I've listened to a couple of chiefs mention this is a place of refuge that we, we, want, we don't want our church burnt down. Awesome. Let's do that. Let's be a place of refuge. Let's be a place where people can come and find truth and peace. It's not right just to talk about peace and just to talk about surface stuff. I haven't mentioned driving at all in conflict or peace. Because <laughs> I think Jesus is getting at something much deeper. He's getting something much, much deeper. We need to listen to the people around us. We just need to close our mouths sometimes and just listen to the people around us. And we listen to the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, guide me into all truth. Guide me into peace. Guide me into wisdom. Holy Spirit. So sometimes when I'm in a situation, somebody's talking about something and I encounter conflict or there's something, I'll just say, dear God, help me know if there's something that I can say that will make this situation better. And oftentimes, like, it's like, pff, 
please, Kenny. I, I, just, I really feel like the Holy Spirit says, please, Kenny, please don't say anything. <laughs> just please don't say anything. Man, if we just listened a little bit more. Uh, Romans 12, 18 is an awesome verse. I just love it. It says this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's at all possible. Like, you cannot control the other people you interact with. But if it's, if it's at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So then the take home for me is, how can I live in such a way that, that makes peace possible? You cannot force peace, but maybe, maybe you can influence it. So pause, close your mouth, open your eyes and your ears, and ask God to help you be wise with your words and actions. Let me conclude with this. It's easy to find conflict in the people around us. It's easy to find a world that is broken and hurting and uh, just in, in turmoil. There's so many ideas and opinions and perspectives you can pick a fight with almost anybody. You can pick a fight with them. We're encouraged to live at peace with one another. And I think it's an attempt to get us to look beyond our own thoughts or beliefs and to search for something better. More important than being right is loving and living right with the people around us. Why are we so bent on being right? But we could do wrong and still be right. But if you love people, if you act right, if you care about your neighbor, if you just bring peace, then it doesn't matter who's right. You brought peace. So yeah, yeah, we could find conflict with the people around us who are different than us. But instead of walking into conflict, is there a way in the middle of our storm that we could move towards peace? Whether it's with masks or music style or clothing, politics, somebody's sexual choice or orientation, their spiritual beliefs, somebody's parenting style, their management decisions, culturally or racially, pick a topic, you'll find something big or small that you could find conflict in. Well, we are called to be messengers of peace. Let's do that. Let's be people that live at peace with everyone. In a world that's in constant turmoil and conflict, let's make the decision to do what we can to be a champion for peace and harmony. So maybe we need to do less talking and a whole lot more listening and learning. What would our world be like if Christians were known for being a group that brought calm and caring love into the situations we encounter? As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let me pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity here to consider what peace could look like in our own lives and in the lives of the people that we encounter. God, I acknowledge that uh, oftentimes I have not brought peace into the situations that I've walked into. And I know, Lord, that uh, there's big things and there's little things, even in this room. People are going through big stuff, and maybe nobody knows. But maybe this morning, God, maybe this morning you've brought a little bit of peace, a little bit of refreshing, a little sense of hope in the middle of the storm. 
I want to pray. I want to pray all the time, and I want to declare God is good. No matter what goes on in my life, God is good. And may our lives as Colwood Church bring peace to the people that we encounter. I will sing of the goodness of God. I will live out the peace that you have put in my life. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to hang out here this morning. Amen. Amen. Church, can we say thank you to Pastor Kenny for a great word this morning? It's good. Words like that make us sharper, I hope, that we would be those agents of reconciliation and a piece of that is peace, to be at peace with everybody. So thank you, Kenny, for your obedience that way. You may be here in the room this morning or maybe online, and maybe you don't even know the peace of Jesus Christ. Like that really is the centerpiece of it all. I'm able to go and give peace to other people because I have a peace, and it's eternal, and it's life-changing. You may not have that relationship with Jesus, and one of the things that we love about our church is we want to always promote people to Jesus, see Jesus, and his peace can change your life if you allow him to. So if you've never engaged in a relationship with him and you're curious, or today you're like, that's it, that's what I need, I need that peace, we'd like to introduce you to our our best friend, Jesus. And I would invite you with your phones, if that's you today, to just text the word life. What a great word, life. Because you experience life with Jesus. Life. To 250-478-7113. And one of our pastors will come on the page with you and would love to lead you and help you with questions of curiosity and what is this all about. So take advantage of that. Remember to mark your calendars. Next Sunday, 1 o'clock, we're going to eat together. And so tell other people. Like, we just want to hang out, actually, again. I think that'll be fun. Are you excited to eat? Yeah? Are you excited to see other people? You should say yes because it's just polite. Uh, <laughs> live at peace with everyone. Anyway, uh, things like this. But church, you know what? We love you. I hope that you have a fantastic week and our mandate, go live at peace with everybody. So right those wrongs, those relationships that you could feed into, do it. And we'll see you next week. We love you. Have a great week.